Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Or Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, how are you? I'm doing great, Father John. You? I am spectacular, always well in the college football University <laughs> of Michigan world. Of course you are. I just love this time of year on so many levels, but uh, I do get a great kick out of being able to enjoy uh, Michigan, Michigan football. football. So, uh, that's yeah, right. Little shout out to coach. So yeah, the state is shaking right now. The state is shaking. Yeah, that's yeah. right. How you doing? Hey, we got a great uh, topic. What is our we do, title? Father John? I think this is going to be a mighty conversation. Uh, our title for today is, What do you call me, Lord? Uh, what do you call me, Lord? Mm, well, let's pray. In the amen. name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, we come before you uh, today and we just ask uh, in a very particular way that you would help us all to hear your voice ever more clearly. To know in a special way who we are, our identity, uh, as your beloved sons and daughters people who aren't just tolerated or accepted, but who are cherished and priceless and loved, not for anything that we've done, but simply for who we are. We pray especially for those uh, who are listening, who are struggling with identity. Lord, we ask that you would plug their ears to the lies and the accusations of hell, and that you would open wide their ears to your voice. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. Thank you, Father John. Yeah, hey, I know we're going to dive into this, but you've got an important announcement with regards to uh, an event coming up this coming Friday. Tell us about this. Yeah, it's really more or less an invitation. So um, this Friday, September 16th at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, you and I are going to begin a series of eight weeks of live stream conversations with anyone and everyone who wants to join in and to have a conversation about the rescue project. So okay. the first week's going to be something like just an open Q&A, but the format will more or less look like just walking through each and every chapter in the rescue project, having a conversation about that, and then entertaining some questions from our friends who have um, who want to talk about that particular week, have questions about anything around any piece of what that small group experience might be like. And it's super simple uh, to join us. All they have to do is log on our website, which is rescueproject.us, and then click on the live stream image in the lower left-hand corner, and then click on Join on Vimeo. There's a button for that, Join on Vimeo. And that's for those who want to join us live, chat, um, get connected with the poll, and just to listen to a conversation, it's more or less a means to accompany our friends who are going to be running Rescue this fall. So it's going to be Friday at 1.30 Eastern Eastern time, Standard right? Time. Great. Absolutely. Awesome. So looking Fantastic. forward to having you guys join us. So let me, let me get into this topic. Um, you know, so we, we say over and over again that probably, I think both from our own personal experience, yours and mine, uh, our experience in the parish, and then certainly our experience working with priests or with bishops, um, lay leaders, everybody that we come across, if there's one thing that God's continually going back to more often than any other thing, it's the issue of identity. And I think deep down, we're all just longing to know, like, not who we are, um, 
well, yeah, who we are according to God's view. So th- this came again to mind, uh, perhaps in a special way because of the readings that we had this past Sunday, especially the story of the prodigal son or the parable of the prodigal son, which is always just such a a moving story. But it also came to mind because of Moses and the struggles that he must have had with his identity, as we'll, we'll speak. Paul, the struggles that he must have had with his identity. Um, I go to confession pretty much every week. I think you you do something similar to that. And I don't know about you. Every time I walk into confession, I'm struggling with identity. It's like, why aren't I better yet than I am? And then conversations with a whole set of folks in a whole different series of arenas uh, over the last week or two. So I think that, you know, the, the ugly, painful truth is that we often see and define ourselves and we often see and define others according to our failures, right? Right. You know, we hear that. You or is know, that just me? No, it's, it's just not. It's just not you. I think the inclination is for, for many of us is to look back, to look back at our, our our past failures and our struggles and our sins, those areas where we struggled. Um, and in particular way, Catherine of Siena, St. Catherine of Siena reminds us not to look back there absent the eyes of mercy and the compassion and the grace of God. But that's very difficult to do when you find yourself struggling, continuing to struggle. Maybe it's that same sin or that same issue. And to your point, Father, like here we are again in the confessional and oftentimes we're bringing the same thing. And, you know, the prodigal son, if you remember in the gospel from yesterday, you know, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that just means like, like he just didn't know the heart of the father. Yeah. We're we're called sons and daughters, no matter what. Yeah. You know, even as you're talking, so, um, it would be, it would be very easy. I should say it that way. It would be easier for me if it was simply dealing with things from long ago in my past that I was tempted to go back to. Right. You know, like I, I think of the prodigal son and I totally get how the father can welcome him home. At least I think I do. What I don't understand is how the father could welcome him home day mm-hmm. after day after day, which is often how I find my own life. And it's certainly how I am tempted to think of other people. It's like, yeah, but you just left yesterday and, and I and I welcomed you home and, and you're leaving again today and I'm gonna have to That's welcome right. you home and so you're right I, I love that line in the in the parable when Jesus uh, is giving it that I think that really does sum up how we think about ourselves we're tempted to think because of whatever we've done I'm simply not worthy to be son in fact I'm even as we're talking I'm remembering an experience I had that way back in the seminary this was probably 30 some years ago and uh my confessor, who was a, uh, my spiritual director too, with my permission, because he asked me this, he says, he said to me, John, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to give you absolution. And I looked at him like, what? <laughs> like, that's why I come to confession. He says, I'm not going to give you absolution. He says, he, and he, again, he asked if he could do this. He says, until you can come back and tell me that you know you're forgiven. And I went. That's a big challenge, Right. Uh, I don't know yeah. what to do. And, and for probably like two days, I just walked around in a daze. And I can remember finally going to the chapel one night and 
just kind of fall onto my knees. And I heard the Lord say, it's one of those few times I've heard the Father speak to me. And I felt like the Father said, if I call you son, then who are you to tell me that you're not worthy? And then he went on to say, don't you understand? It's a gift, sonship. It's not something you deserve. You earn. Therefore, right. you don't have to worry, worry about being worthy of it. Of course you're not worthy of it, but I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you that as your identity. That's who you are to me. And I remember running to my spiritual director saying, okay, I think I get it. You know, Give me some absolution that way. So, I mean, just like the, the prodigal, we can all lose our identity sometimes because of whatever we might struggle with. And, of course, you, you lose your identity, and then what do you do? You grapple with shame, you know, like, and, 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 that, and the shame is kind of twofold. I don't know about you. I remember hearing a, a friend of mine, he's a bishop, and he said, you know, if I'm honest, when I go to confession, part of the pain that he experiences, and man, can I identify with this, is even more than I'm sorrowful that I've offended God, I'm sorrowful that I've just blown it. In other words, I'm more, I'm more disappointed in myself for not having been better than I am in having offended the Lord who I love. And so that just compounds everything, right? Because then you're like, wow, that's not even like great contrition. That, that's, that's just the word pride. So right? Like, I can't believe I did this. Like, Father God goes, John, really? Father you can't John, believe that? I, didn't, I wasn't sure I was going to share this story, but, that, but that's exactly, uh, you just spoke to something that I want to give voice to. I remember going to confession a set of years ago now. Now, keep in mind that the confessional, the confessionals years ago weren't closed doors. Um, it was a curtain. Right. And so I'd gone into confession and I... Felt like I was just bringing the same stuff that I had just brought there. And uh, it was an elderly confessor um, who was deaf, which didn't help. That was great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a Saturday afternoon, and I'm, I, I'm making my confession. And I added, maybe thinking this was going to make me look better, I said, I cannot believe I'm here again with the same sins. And, you know, this deaf priest says, of course you're here with the same sins. He goes, and as long as you're in here, confess the sin of pride as well. <laughs> and so, of course, I confessed the sin of pride, and I made my, he gave me absolution. I walked out of the confessional, and my head was down because I know everyone nearby heard that. But it's true, I mean, to... You know, God is so gracious, Father John, that he accepts even imperfect contrition. Yeah. And he allows us the grace to grow in that full in that full contrition where we finally experience at some point in our life, maybe not consistently, but periodically this, this momentary compunction of heart where we recognize that the one that I love so much, it is him who I have hurt. Yeah. And that's a great gift of grace. Yeah. And it comes in time, right? Yeah, well, I'm glad Even it's not, not just me. <laughs> no. Oh my, oh my heavens, right? So, so we lose our identity because of what we, you know, or we can be tempted to lose our identity, right? Because of what we've done. Our pride can attack that shame. Right. And then, of course, you use this line all the time. Um, the enemy accuses us. And the line that you use, I've heard you say this so many times to priests, and they all like, they all like grab their pens, write it down. It's like, oh, I am using that. Yeah. And the line is, Satan knows your name. And calls but, us by that sin. But he calls you by your sin. Yeah. But the Father, he knows our name. 
And he calls us by that name. Yeah, and, he, and, and, and the Father knows my sin, yes, but he calls me by name. Exactly. He knows oh, it's it all. So, it's so, so powerful. So again, the enemy knows my name, but he calls me by my sin. The Father knows my, my sin, sin, but calls us he calls each me by name. And that is such name. a healing truth because when we find ourselves struggling, right, as we all do, um, we're vulnerable to the lies of the enemy, right. that, that all of a sudden we we no longer even identify ourselves as sons and daughters because right. that's what the accuser does. Right. Right? So that, was, that, that must be what the prodigal was dealing with. That's what we all can deal with. And then, of course, the, the second reading from this past Sunday was Paul. And I've always loved this line of, of Paul. So he says uh, in his first letter to Timothy, describing himself, he says, you know, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and arrogant, and the reason I've always loved this line is, I don't know about you, sometimes I hear people give their testimonies, and it's almost like they're boasting of how bad they were. You know, like, oh yeah, I just lived this horrific life when I was in my teens and my 20s, and they don't seem all that sorrowful. It's almost like, oh, and I did this sin and this, and I had all these relationships, whatever. What, when Paul says, I was arrogant, like nobody boasts of that. Nobody boasts of, yeah, I was just this really pompous, arrogant jerk. And yet that's what Paul's able to say about himself, right? And, and I think it's so important because Paul, and we've mentioned this before in other episodes, Paul's got a past, right? Paul has memories of, of Stephen dying in front of him. Paul's got memories of dragging people out of their homes. Paul's got memories of busting up Christian families as he's arresting people. Paul has some really really bad memories. And yet his experience is one of having been mercifully been treated by God, which then enables him to treat others mercifully, which doesn't mean he didn't call out sin, but he was able to treat them mercifully. And I was thinking we had this passage last week, early in the week, I think it was Monday, maybe Monday or Tuesday, I forget which exactly. It's the passage in 1 Corinthians 6 where you know, the, the church in Corinth is a small church. I mean, there's maybe 50, 60 people in it, right? So when Paul's saying things using the pronoun you, he's probably thinking of people. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't some generic description. Mega church, right? Yeah. This is, right. This, these, these are people that he place. knows. Right. He knows this community very well. And he says, do you not know that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor boy prostitutes, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. Like, that's a pretty heavy load. And then he goes on to say, I love this line, that is what some of you used, used to, to be. be. And, and uh, I think it's Archbishop Burns, who's uh, from Detroit, uh, he once said, you got to know Paul's thinking of people when he says that. That's what, that's what, Bob, that's what you used to be. Louise, you know that was you. You know, Deborah, that was you and you know it. John, that was you and you know it. But then Paul goes on to say, but now you have had yourselves washed, sanctified, justified. So it is for us. This is The reason we're doing this is because in walking through Scripture, Scripture is healing. The Word of God is healing. That's what revelation is. It's healing. So for some of us, as we're listening to us, we can identify. It's like, yeah, I used to, I used to be some of those things. I still struggle with some of those things. 
but that's not who I am. I've been washed, restored, made whole, right? Forgiven. And then, of course, the, the first reading was, uh, was Exodus, and that means Moses. When you talk about Moses, you know, you're tempted to think, well, here's this great guy that God used to liberate Israel, and he did. And he had a past, too. But Moses murdered a man. That's right. That's right. You know, like, I, I've done some bad things in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't murder anybody. Mm-hmm. Moses actually murdered a man. Mm-hmm. And so he's got to be dealing constantly with his own memories of that. It's, it's, it's an I know this from hearing confessions of people who, you know, have been in battle, especially. To see another man die is something you just never forget. When you know you're responsible for that, that you can only imagine how the enemy works in someone's life, right? So Moses, Moses has that experience as, uh, as well. So that, that obviously creates some identity issues for Mo, right? right Big Mo must have struggled with some things. You could look at a number of uh, characters, uh, uh, any number of men and women in the scriptures that struggled and they didn't quit. Yeah, they never quit. They were they were they were victorious. What's that line players. you use about the the sum of our oh, failures? I think, I think it was I think it was uh, Pope John Paul II who said, you know, we're not the sum of our failures; rather, we're the sum of the Father's love for us. I have clung to that line mm. many many times uh, in my life. Yes, is God aware of what I have done? But that doesn't define me. Yeah, that's a word for right? somebody right now listening to this. So we whoever are, you are, you are not the, the sum, sum of your, your failures. failures. That's right. The, the, you know, this is not a math problem where you just keep adding up all the the times you've landed on your face. Like, th- that's the enemy's lie. No change, no progress, no growth. That's right. That, that's just a lie. Every time you get back up, every time you try again, you know, number five, um, I, I want to stop you right there. I was just thinking about what saint was it uh, that said it doesn't matter how many times you fall along the road of life. What matters if what matters is if you're standing yeah. at the end of your life. I, I'm not sure who said that, um, but it's always been a great image for me as you're trying to struggle. Um, you're trying to press into holiness and sanctity. And um, you can even take someone like, you know, Winston Churchill. Um, uh, who, who, who said, uh, I think he said something like, success is not final and failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Yeah. And in his own life, you know, you talk about his various successes and failures, whatever they might be. But, but I think the point of that is, is that failure is not a life sentence. We're right. not defined by failures. And one could argue to the degree that you learn through your failures and that you've pressed into contrition and um, and, 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 you're, and you're asking God for the grace to begin again. The only, the, only, the only way you can fail is by stop It's not trying. to stop. Yeah, yeah, it's to stop getting up. In fact, I heard, uh, I heard a podcast from Brett Powell and Jake Kim, two of our, our good friends out in, uh, in Canada. They did this incredible podcast called The Way of the Heart. And uh, one of them was talking about uh, this very th- issue of failure hmm. and whatnot. And he says, he was talking about a conversation he had, I think, with him, with a, I think it was a Navy SEAL, if I remember right. But the, um, they were talking about failing. And this guy said uh, about his own experience in life and how they tried to teach, um, you know, new recruits. He says, we don't try, we train. 
Oh my gosh. That's just an incredible line. You know, so you don't try again. You train constantly. You're constantly training. Isn't Every time that the life of, make, a, of a saint? Yeah, it's the life so, of a disciple. Yeah, You're a, constantly in training. So We're saints in training, right? Whereas we're tempted to think of, wow, oh, I failed again. No, you're training. That's right. Oh, and and, and when we so struggle, you know, you're getting feedback. They went on to say at one point, you know, um, um, the failure, the way they were talking about it, failure gives you feedback on how to improve. That's a great That's way so to think helpful. about this. And the only way I fail is if I quit. That's the only way you fail. You know, so you're talking, and I know we're going all over with anecdotes. It's making me think of, I remember hearing a guy in youth ministry one time. He was talking to, to kids, and he just, I think he and his wife had just had a uh, a little baby, and I, the child actually probably had to have been a, when do kids start walking, a year and a half, two <laughs> No, a little bit earlier than that, but whatever. I don't know. I don't yeah. have any kids. So, um, but he was describing, this was such a great image. He says, you know, he's watch, he was watching his, his boy at the time. He was just learning to stand. Mm-hmm. And so he would like crawl and, you know, grab the seat of a chair and pull himself up. And then he'd collapse, you know, and land on his behind. And they'd, he'd pull himself up and he'd collapse again. And he says, as I was watching that, I was just filled with, with so much pride for my child. I'm like... Look at my boy. He says, my response watching that was not, oh, stupid baby. It keeps falling down. And then he went on to think immediately, like, that must be how God looks at me. The heart of the Every father. time I get back up. That's right. He doesn't look at me when I struggle and go, stupid baby. No. He's like, look at my son. Right. He's standing again. Look at my daughter. She's standing again. They're still in the fight. They're That's still right. in the ring. You know, um, I, I'm reminded of uh, one of my favorite movies, and you know there, there's there's some beautiful movies out there that are redemptive and and uh, and have some uh, great stories that I, I think one of the movies I'm thinking about right now is um, Sea Biscuit, and um, one of the lines in the film is uh, it's about a horse trainer who rescues horses and uh, and and brings them back to health and. He's talking to one of the other characters in the film, and he says, you know, you don't throw away a whole life just because it's banged up a little. I love that. And that line has stayed with me um, over the years because that's what we t- that's what we do to ourselves, or, or we cast others aside and say, oh, they'll never change, or, 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 or we simply give up because we're just a little bit um, banged up. Yeah, that's um, right. But that's not how the Father sees us, right? That's right. You know, we say it often, the Christian life is not a dream, it's a battle. Right. Right? And we're, by God's grace, we're hanging in there fighting fighting on. Right? So we, we, we can do this to ourselves. We can also do it to each other. I want to get to, to the point of this podcast sure, yeah. in just a second, but just to comment quickly. So we not only do this to ourselves, we define ourselves by our failures we often define others by their failures, and we usually do this with those that are closest to us, right? And and it's probably unknowingly, and it's almost certainly unintentional, but we can actually be used by the enemy in accusing another. You know, so it, it's just so important to, to, to see others through the eyes of God and not through the eyes of well, they failed again, right? You, you, I've heard you say so many times, it's another one of those lines that I see priests, you know, like, oh, got to pull the pen out and use that one. You'll often say, you know, God doesn't make addicts. He makes men and women who sometimes struggle with drinking, drugs, porn, whatever. But they're not addicts. They're sons and daughters. That's, right. That's who they are, right? And That's right. 
Um, we, everybody, actually, everybody's an addict to something. Like, we all struggle with something. We have to be careful that we don't think of ourselves, call ourselves, or think of others based on their sin. And even more generically, Father, um, God didn't create failures. Yeah. He created sons and daughters yeah. who will at times fail. And yeah. he knows that. And that's why he sent his son. That's right. Right? That's right. So let's let's get to the, the title of this. And I, I want to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, just to, to share with people, again, what I've often heard you uh, offer to priests as a prayer exercise. Because I think this could just be very helpful. You know, maybe, this is something that I'm going to suggest what, what Mary's going to share. We consider doing this week, maybe tomorrow in your prayer time. Maybe it's uh, in a holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe it's in your favorite prayer chair in your house, wherever it is that you pray. Um, just to go and to ask the Lord this really simple question. What's the question? Yeah. Well, you know, Father, I think it's actually t- two questions. Is, is Maybe it has the same intent. Um, but just to go before the Lord and ask, and, and just ask the Lord, Father, tell me who I am in your eyes. Father, tell me who I am in your eyes. And allow time for the Father to speak to your heart mm, in that, that time. Um, and, and then maybe another way uh, to dig deeper into that is to pose this question. Father, by what name do you call me? Yeah, and that's the title, right? And, and I think that is, uh, I think, one of the most beautiful prayer exercises because I think we'll be surprised when we go to the Father in prayer if we know his voice. And again, again, note the tone, too, in the voice, right? Expect him to say something completely unexpected. Yeah. I love that. Right. That's right. So by what name do you call me, Father? And, and I might add to that if I can. Um, it might be worth going to the Lord maybe the next day and think about maybe that person you're struggling with the most in your life right mm. now. It might be your son, might be a daughter, might be your wife, could be a husband, maybe it's a co-worker, whoever it might be. And just like we ask the Lord to speak to us about our identity, so ask the Lord now, Something like, and Father, what do you call them? That's beautiful. So that I can see them the way you do, and I can hear what you call them, so that I can reinforce that in my interaction with them, right? That's beautiful. All these things can be so healing. And again, we're, we're going a little long on this simply because this is that which is most in need of being transformed for almost all of us, despite all the masks and the facades that... You know, a lot of us can try to hide behind. Oftentimes it's accomplishments for those of us who've done things with our lives, you know, or attempted to think we've done things with our lives. At the end of the day, we're still just desperate to know, yeah, but do I really matter? Am I really loved? Am I really cherished? And, and when you can know, when we can know that that's true to God, that I'm really cherished by God and loved by God by name, not because of what I've done or I haven't done, then we're talking about significant transformation in our lives. And all of this is true. Like God really does love you by name. And he does not define you by your past. And you're not the sum of your failures. And you might be like that child who's fallen down, who's grabbing for the arm of the chair, trying to get up again right now. If that's where you are, that's where you are. By his grace, stand back up again. And that's how we grow. So do not be afraid. God is with you. 
And you were born for this.